talk to you a little bit about uh, your music and the tour and, and, and a couple other things that you've done over the course of your career. But let, let's get into the tour right away. Who's in the band these days and, and uh, how was the whiskey? You just played the whiskey, right? Yeah, we sold out the whiskey. It was a great, great show. You know, I closed my eyes a lot on stage and the whiskey. I think about all the ghosts, all the all the music that's been played in that room. You know, from Jim Morrison to the Van Halen and Guns N' Roses on and on. So, yeah, man, playing the whiskeys are always, always an, an awesome time. And those guys that are over there that are bringing in the shows and putting on, you know, rock shows have, have really got behind me and believed in me in all these years and have given me tons of opportunity. And to see the crowd that was there the other night was just what we say here on my team. It's total victory. <laughs> Touchdown to keep it uh, timely. Yes, and who's in totally. the who's in the band these days? Who you got with you? I'm playing with Loki on guitar. Um, Argar Goolsby's playing bass, uh, and Nick Makachuko is playing the drums. Opening bands the same every night. Or are you bringing in just local openers? Is it tour package? Yeah, we got a package. We're out with Nimvin, uh, who hail from the great country of Canada. They're on with us the whole time, and Argar Goolsby and the Roving Midnight. So we're like a traveling circus. <laughs> <laughs> and the perfect time of the year to be doing it in the fall, as as you would expect, and the, the perfect time you would yep. want to see Michael Graves on the road. And how's the set list? Does it get tougher and tougher the deeper you get into your career to, to pick out a set list? Or is it just at the point where it's like, you know you got to play this and this and this, or else you're going to get murdered? It's a little bit of both. There's definitely songs that I have to play that if I don't, I won't get out the door at night. <laughs> so there's a good mix. You know, we keep an equilibrium of the old stuff, uh, you know, whether it's Misfits or Gotham Road or the older stuff in, in my catalog uh, mixed with, with the newer stuff. And and the strategy is going forward to be able to get to a point where, whenever it is, uh, to really make the pivot to the deep catalog stuff, if you will, because there's a lot of it. It really is hard to pick what songs are, we're going to play. And you're still producing new music at the same time. As much as you got to look back on, you still have plenty to look forward on. And I know a few yeah. albums over the past couple of years and as, as 2019 approaches, are we going to get some new music in 2019? Definitely get something new as far as music in 2019, but I've really had to pump the brakes on, on producing and putting out music because in the past, it's just five years, I've put out at least a dozen records just chock full of, of music. And so now I'm going to develop that music and bring it out live and perform it, put some video and visuals behind it and, and start to um, really develop some of these songs because the rate of production, the way that I put out so m much music in the past five or six years hasn't really given me the opportunity to really give some of these songs their due and really extract all the creativity and, and get allegories and visuals and spoken word stuff that I want to put behind it, which I'm focusing on now. Awesome. Look forward to that. And then you're kind of make the music a little bit more 3D, if you will. Exactly. Yes. It's much more of a transmedia approach. But you got to kind of do these days. I mean, it, it, sadly, you kind of have to uh, dig a little bit deeper sometimes than just the music to, to catch people's attention nowadays. Well, yeah, it's a good thing. I really think it's a good thing because the way that the business is now, it is modeled to real creatives, real artists. Go back to the early 2000s. Trent Reznor is a, the perfect example of being ahead of the curve as transmedia. 
became part of the industry, right? He It yeah. was a um, zero year, and you would go to the website, and there were all sorts of things that you would click on and mysterious things that would then bring you to another story that linked to characters that was telling this apocalyptic story, and it was plugged into real politics and history, and it was brilliant. I love being able to be creative like that, and again, now with, with technology, have the really the opportunity and the tools at my disposal to be able to do that. Hell yeah, man. It's such a grand scale. You can do it all. And, and, and now that we do have the capability, you, you don't need the big machine, to, so to speak, to be behind you in order to do things nowadays, which is great, too. Yeah, yeah. There's great liberty in, in the way that the business has turned for artists and musicians. Hey, speaking of uh, some of your, your newer music and uh, a guy that... Uh, had guest vocaled on one of your tunes and kind of wanted to learn about how you met him and working with him, but Chris Motionless, and speaking of doing it right in this day and age, you know, I love what he's doing with Motionless and White, but how did you meet yeah. Chris? Uh, I met Chris when I was um, working and recording and producing out of uh, the studio up in Pennsylvania that I record all the albums out of. So I was working in the studio, and the guy that owns the studio, uh, Dan, I had worked with Chris in the past and just kind of knew people in his circle. And Chris was such a big fan. You know, we were hooked up together and he wanted to do something. And I, I was writing for uh, Lost Skeleton Returns. And Chris said that he would love to sing something with me. And so I, I created a song called Forbidden Planet and wrote it specifically for, for him and I to, to be able to perform together. And so he came and yeah, it was, it was uh, a really cool experience. The, the studio's called Sound Mind. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Clearing out the cobwebs. One other uh, one other collab that uh, that you were a part of that I wanted to talk to you about, too. One of my all-time favorite records of all time, the Roadrunner United, the All-Star Sessions. And, yeah. And getting to work with Matt Heafy. Talk to me about that experience and how that came together. That was awesome. I, I hadn't really been doing too much in, with music in a few years. I was And coming back into it, Roadrunner reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in the project and that they were assembling teams of people and I got put on that team and, and so Matt and I talked about you know the kind of song that we wanted to craft you know because he was just sort of in that time really discovering punk rock and his writing style was so much different than you know what punk rock is which made it such a, an energetic kind of collaboration so he started to listen to a lot of bad religion and punk rock and demoed out a song which became superhero and, and sent me the scratch drums and him playing some guitar over it and i sat in front of my computer and listened to it and i came up with vocals and and I flew down to Sanford, Florida and, and recorded the vocals and it was awesome. It was awesome. It's one of my favorite compositions uh, in my career. I love that song. I love it too. And and what a like unique album idea and, and such a cool thing to like gather yeah, all the concept. you know all these old bands and put them together and lock them in a room and see what magic comes out of them and I miss those yeah. those days of that like when you had those compilations and Roadrunner was always great at putting out those compilations and then before then kind of the other way to kind of discover music was in something I really missed too and I wish they would get back to and is movie soundtracks I miss movie soundtracks back in the day. There used to be so many killer ones like the Crow soundtrack. And uh, right. Is there a soundtrack that stands out to you that you used to rock all the time? Mm, that's a great question. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of you know orchestral music. And so, I mean, my mind right now is just going to Star Wars. Even when <laughs> I was a kid, my parents, you know, my dad had the, an eight track of the Star Wars you know, soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, you're right. You know, collaborations and soundtrack releases, especially the collaborations, when you get talented creatives, it's like in sports, an all-star team, everybody. The game is raised to such a high level. Yeah. Uh, because of the energy of, of, of new people working with new you know, new energies and the different ideas. So again, what 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 an awesome opportunity, a blessing is, at that point in my career, especially uh, to be able to uh, play with such high caliber artists and and write such a great song with them. Yeah, and what a talented kid! I mean, Matt was still a kid then; he was like eighteen or he nineteen was. or something. Yeah. And like, yeah, he was. He was still a kid. He's just discovering punk rock. <laughs> imagine yeah it's crazy and and he's still out there killing it with trivium and and uh i I just talked to their guitar player Corey last week who's great dude hey one other uh uh, sort of project i I had to ask you about uh, playing with the legendary marky ramon and blitzkrieg and and in any kind of stories or maybe maybe talk to me about how you got that gig how did that come together for you again at at the perfect time of my career that i really needed someone all of a sudden my phone rings and it was marky ramon's manager and i actually hung up on him because again things are so crazy in my life I did not believe him and then Marky himself called me back and once I heard Marky's voice I knew it was him and we got to talking and and he asked me to come out on the road with him and celebrate the Ramones and play and sing those songs with him and talk about punk rock and so I did absolute dream come true absolutely a, a dream come true even you know when Joey was alive I used to joke and say you know the only person in the world that can sing these songs as good, you know, or, or, or better than you, Joey, is, is me. There's no one else. <laughs> so, yeah, so to, to be able to have that opportunity to go out there and wave the Ramones banner and talk about that music and stand in the place where Joey did, man, that was definitely on the highlight in my career, even on some levels more so than, than the Misfits. Just because I was such a uh, such a fan of the Ramones and just in love with those guys. Do you have a uh, a favorite of the uh, Ramones that you enjoyed playing with them? Is there one that stands out that you look forward to playing every night? I love doing uh, Bonzo Goes to Bitburg. I I love doing Shock Treatment. I we we start doing Lights of Gas. I don't want to grow all of them. There's just so many great songs. <laughs> KKK took my baby away is a great song. <laughs> And and any good stories like about Marky, like help us kind of humanize Marky. Talk to talk to me about how he is as a human being. Like, is he a funny guy? Is he serious, real serious? Kind of give me some insight to his personality. Any good stories about him? Uh, Marky's a bit of a trickster, you know. He, that's what made him and Dee Dee so dangerous together. You know, you could come up with a devious idea, and, and Marky's right along with it. Hanging out with him, he's still that kid. You know that grew up in in around Brooklyn, that that loves playing in a band. When he gets around his drums, or you know when we would hang out and he would talk about his life, you just see right in front of your eyes he transforms into that into a kid. Again, it was an amazing thing to be able to to be in his presence and be a fly on the wall and and listen to him talk. I bet. Um, Michael, I appreciate all the time. Just a few last things for it. And I, I we kind of alluded to it earlier, but we got to talk a little misfits. And would you mind talking about kind of going back in time and how you got that gig back in the day and how that kind of came together for you? That's a story of coincidence. As a kid, I used to work up at a resort in, in the Catskill Mountains, the Irish Mountains of the Catskills in New York State. And I worked there for a lot of years and made some real strong relationships. And when I was 18... A good friend of mine was killed up there, 
uh, and because of that, I never went back. I didn't, I didn't go back. And, and so the summer, the first summer that I didn't return to where I usually did up in those mountains, uh, I joined a band called Mopes and I was working full time for a, a tree company, you know, that, that removes prunes, trees. Right. And uh, we needed to, we wanted to record a demo, and so I found us a studio that was in Lodi, New Jersey, called Real Platinum Studios. It was owned by Bobby Aleka. Went in there, and Bobby recorded us, and I was hanging out doing vocal tracks. And Bobby said, there's this band called The Misfits. I've known them since we were kids. They're looking for a singer. This is, um, this is Jerry's number. Give him a call. I spoke to Jerry. I called him up. He said, learn as much material as material as you possibly can and call me back and, and schedule an audition and so I did and I showed up it was actually the the night of you know before my, my 20th birthday I think wow and I auditioned and then I auditioned again and then a week later I auditioned again and then I was up there every other day so on and on and on the the band was always on the fence about me they they, they just couldn't find themselves able to commit you know Doyle and I didn't get along you know, Chud was, was a newbie, and they weren't really sure about him. If he had, they, they were just non-committal. Kept on hearing about Dave Anian was going to come sing. So as Halloween approached, the Misfits had to make a decision whether or not they were going to relaunch or wait another year. Now, we ran in the circles of that was when Brooklyn Hardcore was raging, and it was really starting to get popular. And so Ken Creedy, who managed Life of Agony, Typo Negative, Biohazard, on and on. Right reached out and said Typo Negative would love to have you come out and, and play some songs on, during their encore part of their set at Roseland, New York City on Halloween. And this is awesome. We'd love to do it, but we don't have a singer. Would Pete come out and sing? And Pete Steele agreed. Said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll come out, but I don't know any of the songs. you got to teach them to me. <laughs> so everybody called me to go and teach Pete Steele these songs. Wow. fine with me because I was a huge Typo Negative fan. Huge. And so I found myself in, in the practice, in Typo's practice space, teaching Pete Steele these songs, who I could tell he was, like, he wanted to learn. But so in the middle of this rehearsal, Pete stops everything and says, this kid has to sing these songs. He says, he sings them better than anybody in this room, certainly me. He's like, this is your singer. And then went off and, and started grinding some sort of metal or something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was it, man. And, and the rest is history, I guess, as they say. Wow, all thanks to Pete Steele. Who knew he, Peter Steele had such a big role in it? Wow. He stopped, he stopped the whole thing and made a big announcement. He put his, his huge hand on my shoulder. He was pointing right at my head. <laughs> this is your singer. This kid sings these songs better than anybody. Wow. Yeah. And, and rest thanks, in peace. Yeah, rest in peace, Peter Steele, too. Yeah, he was one of those guys. Again, my, my career is crazy. You know, he's, he was one of those people that, especially in the beginning, I could reach out to and just say, you know, Pete, I'm freaking out, freaking out. What the hell is going on? And he'd be on the other end just saying, it's all right. You know, just believe in yourself and don't worry about anything else that's out there. It's going to be all right. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've heard, I never got to meet the man, but I've heard great, great tale about what a great dude he always was. And certainly it sounds He's like a more confirmation of that as well. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Incredible. A lot, of, a lot of love in that guy's heart. That's the truth. He didn't have to be nice like that to me and he always was yeah that's what i heard he was kind of a big teddy bear like you look at him and you're kind of like oh that guy's imposing but just a big sweetheart on the inside yes 
Beautiful. Thank you so much for the time. It was an honor talking to you, and uh, best of luck out there on the road and the tour and everything. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you, man. Have a good one, bro. Safe travels. Bye-bye. Dude, you rock. Thanks for checking out the entire podcast. Now just hit the subscribe button. That way you get it sent to you directly. And follow me on social media at MikeZ967. Don't miss the radio show, bro. Wired in the Empire happens every Saturday night at midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks. Online at KCALFM.com. Adios,